Well, good morning. Another Saturday morning. I'm going to talk about the truth of God and getting back to the basics. Sean, do you have any? Uh, how you feeling this morning? I'm doing a lot better. I had uh, having some congestion, but getting better with that and looking forward to what y'all is going to be doing. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, we're going to get into this topic of the basics of the gospel message. And in essence, just like you have in uh, sports and many other things, this would be the what they would refer to as the fundamental teachings. That's the what we might consider to be the base elementary teachings of pretty much anything you learn. You have to learn the basic simple stuff, but the simplicity of the basic stuff does not make it not important. It's hugely important because it's the base of what you build off of. It's not a base that, okay, well, I learned that and now I never need that again. No, really, we call it the basics, but it's really a lot bigger. Because uh, if we think about basic, basic just kind of is, you know, like simple and we kind of tend to think that that's more of a small perspective and it's really huge in the aspect of what you do in your life that you must have fundamentals and this is something that you can't get away from in life and again I just love the way that God uh, ingrained everything into the creation that we're without excuse that when we talk about the basics, we talk about the fundamentals. You can't live life without fundamentals. I mean, you can't eat without the fundamentals of knowing how to chew. And some of that stuff you're taught, some is uh, you learn as you grow. Um, you're not chewing food right away. You're uh, drinking, and then you have to learn how to chew and jobs that we go to you have to learn the fundamental of the job otherwise you can't do the job and the beauty part is is that it stays with you all the way through your life you you can't get away from the fundamental because if you get away from the basic training that you had then you can't do whatever it is that you're doing and the basic does not mean 
not important. If we take the word, the, the key word in basic, the word is base. And I know sometimes, well, no, a lot of times in languages, uh, we continue to modify languages to make them some, you know, make words into something they're not, and they continue to increase and grow. And of course, that happened at the Tower of Babel when God confused the languages. And ever since that time, languages continue to increase and uh, grow and change. And, you know, you have uh, Spanish, and then you have, but you have Spanish from Spain. Then you have uh, Spanish from uh, Hispanic. And then throughout the different Hispanic societies, you have different dialects of it. And same thing with uh, Hebrew and uh, uh, Arabic and you, you go through all languages and even our language in this country is changing constantly. Um, and the key is, is with words, words are there for a reason to describe something. So make sure that when you're using a word, use it for what its intention is, not changing it like we do. So base is the, the concept and it is, foundation it's foundational when we use the word basic we should think especially with faith we should think foundational okay so when I built my house I laid a foundation that foundation is still there it has to be there if that foundation goes away the house will not stand and so that's just so uh, important about fundamental teachings or uh, foundation. You know, you have it in football, basketball. You know, you learn the fundamentals at the very beginning of your career and whatever it is. Music, like you had, you had to learn the fundamentals of how to play the trumpet. I had to learn the fundamentals of how to play the drums. And you don't just jump and just start playing the drums because you're just beating the beating the air you're just you you don't have rhythm you don't have you have to be taught some of these things but you have to get the basics if you're going to climb up and like for a trumpet to be a virtuoso you never do you ever leave the basics when it comes to like if you're continuing education in trumpet do you ever leave those basics behind and never incorporate them again? Well, no, because then you would have to relearn the instrument all over again because you have, just like in, we've talked about your lower conscience and your upper conscience, that if you don't have anything in your lower conscience, then you have to, like it'd be like brushing your teeth and you would have, have to relearn it every day. Like it, it would be just chaos that, yeah, like the foundation, the, what came to mind was the building blocks that you you get a base so that you can then build on top because we were me and my wife were um, planting some flowers yesterday and this came to mind that you don't just set the plant on top of the ground you've got to dig out a foundation and you put the plant in the ground but even under that plant there's still a foundation that's there that's already set that that plant's got to sit on and then you cover it up so that then the roots can then go into the ground and then it gets a foundation then it can start growing 
because it was just interesting because I was digging. I was like, I mean, what is this? Like this seems like the whole ground is just full of rocks and debris. Well, the lower conscience has so much rocks and debris, and that's why you got to dig down. You know, why is this not sticking? Why is this plant not growing? Well, you got to get the rocks. You got to get the dead roots out of there. Get it out. Clear it out. Then the roots can have a place to grow and and get the water and the the moisture. So this is a huge. I just see this as y'all yeah, just continually building upon the foundation of like we start on the podcast. That so let's get back to the fundamentals of this podcast. It's about the gospel message, and with what we just talked about recently with the veil. All right. Well, if the veil was lifted now, all right, now you can see this. Let's give you the basics of this, just like we talked about with the tabernacle. You have the different veils. All right. You see the tabernacle. Now we're going to move the curtain back. Now I'm going to teach you the basics of this. So come in. I'll give you the foundation of it. And then you'll go to the next veil. We'll give you what's involved here and what's involved here because it's got to, you have to have that groundwork done so that the rest of it can set on top of it and be supported. Because it would be like if you just woke up one day and said, well, we're just going to remove the foundation of my house. No big deal. No, if you remove the foundation, then everything else would just fall down and have no place to stand. And you don't have a, you might have a shell, but you don't have a house because there's nothing supporting anything. You just, you know, or I want to change my foundation. Well, you don't, it's supposed to be set to where you don't change it. Like you don't, the only way you would change is if you destroyed the whole house and then dug up the foundation again, and you'd have to plant a new one that it's meant just like with the gospel. Once you, you get the basics that's supposed to sit there and never ever change or, or be modified. It's set, you know, just like Messiah, when he died, he was planted into the ground to where he could grow. Like that foundation is set that he's not going to come and die again because the foundation is already there. It's not going to be built upon. And, if you fall away or really you leave it, then you remove everything and there is no more foundation for you. So there's no way to build it or do anything. So this is a great, just a great reminder of not just the faith in God, but anything that there's a foundation to everything that you do. You just got to dig and find it like trumpet. Yeah, I'm going to go play trumpet. And then I wake up the next day and I forget how to read music. I forget how to read notes. I can't do anything. I'm, I'm not, I'd have to restart everything again and no, it's just going to be chaos. So this is a, just a wonderful reminder of the, the gospel message is it, it starts at a foundation and then builds up upon it. And if you're not continuing walking on that foundation, then you don't have anything. Yeah. And as we talk about the basics, the, the foundation, the fundamental, aspects you don't have to have a solid ground for it to be a foundation now what i'm saying is is in order for it to be a good solid foundation then it should be rock but like you were saying you know with the plants in essence the uh the foundation of the plant is what it sets on. So you either put it on top of the soil and just, well, we're just going to take it out of the thing and just set it there and animals going to come and eat it. And it's not going to be able to expand and grow with the, um, the roots in the ground 
and it'll fall over and it'll get trampled. And so you still put it on the foundation, but you didn't put it on a good foundation. And when we talk about houses, uh, Messiah spoke about the foundation of rock or the foundation of sand. It doesn't mean that the sand isn't a foundation. It is, but it's not an appropriate foundation for to build a house on because the house, when the wind and the rain come, it's, it's not locked into the ground and therefore it will collapse and crumble. And so it's really important for people to understand that you have to have a good foundation a functional foundation, a foundation that is made to support the house that you're going to build on it. You know, if I was going to put more weight or build a bigger house, then I'd have to shift or change the foundation. Um, The foundation that I have here is not substantial for a commercial size building. And so when we look at the fundamentals, we want to make sure that we're following a good set of plans in order to put a good foundation in. Now, the foundation's already been laid for us. It's, we, don't, we don't necessarily lay the foundation. Messiah laid the foundation. We need to build on that foundation. But either you build on Messiah or you're building on the sand. And if you build on the sand, it's not going to stand. It cannot stand. And this also gives us a viewpoint that when Messiah spoke about this, is that people are going to try to build a spiritual house and some will build it on the rock of Messiah and some will build it on the sand of lies, hypocrisy, and uh, misteaching. And if you don't make sure that your foundation is set in accordance with what the plans say, then there's no guarantee for you that it's going to stand. And if with faith, it's a guarantee that it won't stand because you must, you must follow the plans in order to let, to build on that foundation. You have to find the foundation of Messiah, and the Bible will show you that he is the foundation, that he's the one, but you can't build on that in an aspect of accept Jesus as Lord and Savior because they've already skipped steps in the process when you just jump to, well, somebody feels bad, and so we're going to get them to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior because that's what we do, and that's not the that's not the foundation of faith in God. And if you follow the gospel message from Genesis uh, up to what we call the New Testament, the foundation is in there. The principles, the concepts, the understandings from a physical worldly perspective, in order that once Messiah came, that we would then be able to build on that rock and we would be able to build a spiritual church, but we have to follow the plans. And unfortunately, there are too many teachings out there that 
direct people to not follow the plan that God has made and to follow somebody else's plan that was derived. And again, it's the the work of the enemy in the midst of it. And so you want to make sure that the plans that you're looking at, the plans that you're listening to, don't look at somebody else's plans. Don't let somebody else interpret the plans for you. You go and you look into the word of God. You spend time speaking to the architect of this life. You spend time figuring out exactly how they want you to build this spiritual house and then start building it. And we talk about this because it's important before we get into this, you know, the steps again and some of the defining of the steps that people understand that you have to start at the beginning of it. You can't start in the middle of it and you have to start in the right place. And that means you have to make sure that the foundation is the one laid by God, not laid by man or laid by the enemy and man translates it and you just accept it because, well, I'm, I'm not smart enough to understand these things. These people went to seminary, so certainly they know. So I'm, I'll just do what they tell me to do. And you find out that you can't do it and you know that things aren't right, but you still accept that foundation. And it's time to destroy that house completely and find the foundation of Messiah. And it's not an easy task and it's, it's going to take some time, but it is of the utmost importance. It's the reason that we do this podcast. Like you said earlier, the reason we do this podcast is to let people know the importance of making sure that you're walking on the gospel message. Forget what your pastor says, forget what we say, you know, we can tell you, these things, but we're not expecting you to just blanket, listen to us and build your house based in that. No, weigh what we're saying against the word of God. Have conversation with God. Let God be the one to tell you, and you will see. And if you're seeking this out, you'll you'll find it. But we really need people to understand that the basics of faith, which is the gospel message, never leave you because we've talked about this before, that for you to advance and grow in faith, you have to walk all those all those basic principles, all those foundational principles. You have to walk through those. Every single situation and circumstance that meets you in order to advance and grow in the faith and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Messiah. So it's hugely important that people understand that. Pay attention to what we're talking about from this perspective of the gospel message and then look for it in the Bible. Look for it through the Old Testament because it's there. Now, sometimes we get a picture of somebody in the Old Testament that walked through the gospel message, but they were at a different point because like Abraham, when we get to meet Abraham, uh, we see that he was considered righteous before God, given a credit of righteousness. 
But we didn't get to see what drew him up to that point of getting that credit of righteousness, because Abraham was a man just like you and I, of mankind. And so there had to be the same journey that he walked in the process that everybody who's going to have faith must walk. And why would it be different for the Old Testament saints than it would be for what we perceive or we call the New Testament saints? And so as you look at these foundational teachings, these basics of the gospel message, it's important that you figure it out and that you know that the very first part of the uh, gospel message is in the Old Testament. And, you know, we'll get into that some more, but just as I... sitting here and mother giving information and thinking about it, it just makes so much sense that we would again revisit the gospel message, but revisit it from this perspective of talking about how it's the fundamental teachings. It's the the basics that follow you all the way through your, uh, your faith journey. And you will always rely on that when you go to the grocery store and you know, if, if you go to the grocery store and, you know that you bought somewhere around $100 worth of groceries, but they try to charge you 200 Without the fundamental teachings, you can't, of math, you can't figure that out. You just have to, well, I guess, well, I guess this is just the way it is. No, you pull out your receipt and you, you look man, that's, that's awful high. Let me look. Oh, wait a minute. They double, they double charged me for this and they double charged me for that. And I only got one of those. So, well, why can you do that? Because of the fundamental teachings, the base of addition, subtraction, multiplication. Oh, well, that's not the complicated stuff like the, uh, all the, the formulas and all this pi or squared and No, you don't understand. Without those fundamental foundational teachings, you can do none of the higher math, which makes those more important than the other because the higher math, you can't do that without the fundamentals. But the fundamentals, you can do that without the higher math. And so this is why we want to put out this idea and understanding that when we talk about the basics or we talk about the foundation, the fundamental teachings, that these are bigger than your life because you must carry every single fundamental foundational basic teaching through your whole life. And then some things you'll figure out you were taught wrong and then you have to go to Yah and find out exactly what the base fundamental teaching is. So now, once you learn that, then you can start to make those corrections in your life and make those adjustments so that the foundational teaching is functional for your life in faith in God. This is just really cool. The Old Testament is the foundation. And what happens is, is that the foundation is bypassed to go to 
the New Testament, which is building the spiritual house. Well, what's interesting in this, I just had a lot of thoughts come to mind that we had just recently talked about the veil and we were talking about the tabernacle and the tabernacle is the building plans that you're to look at because you look at the tabernacle and, and it's not just the tabernacle, the, the, the ark, Noah's ark being built and Abraham's journey and all those are plans, but just is just coming to mind that the tabernacle is the set of building plans that you open up and look at it. Now you open up those plans and you look at it from the outside. You can see a set of plans, but I have no idea how to read this because you had said you had taken a, a class on either designing or reading plans, something like that, if I remember right. Architectural blueprint rating. Right. So it would be like if you opened up that big scroll of plans and you're like, oh, okay, so we're going to do here. And I'm like, I, what are you looking at? I have no idea what this is. Oh, okay. Well, here it is. Like, so you get the picture of the tabernacle, you got the building plans. All right. But in order to really get into the detail, you need somebody that knows how to read the plans to where, well, explain to me what the altar is uh, outside the brazen altar and the bronze laver. What, what does that mean? All right, well, we'll get into the building of it so you can understand because it's just interesting how this goes in just such a, a detailed order that Messiah says, if I bring you physical things, you know, I give you the, the set of earthly things and you don't understand how can you then understand the spiritual? And what he's saying is even deeper is I'm coming as a minister of a new covenant. If you don't understand the old Testament, then you're not going to be able to understand my work here. And people say, oh, yeah, his work is, is straightforward. Okay, well, but if you ask somebody honestly, what was Messiah's work and purpose? Well, he came to die on the cross. Okay, he did that, but what was the purpose of it? Just like like when you have the building plans, there's a purpose for these plans. You didn't just draw a picture, and that's the end of it. No, there's a purpose that it needs to be built in this detailed way, and Moses got the detailed plans of the gospel message, even if he didn't recognize it. Because what did Yah say to Moses? Make sure that you build everything according to the plans given to you. Well, Moses, you just build it any way you want. It's okay. You just figure it out as you go. No, I'll have my spirit here to help you. And I will, my spirit will come upon people that are, you know, craftsmen, you know, women doing different things. My spirit will help. But make sure that you follow the plans exactly. Why? Because Yah has a purpose in this building, this foundation. And it's an interesting plan. You get the plans, and then you go, I'm going to give you step-by-step instructions on why these things must be. And this came to mind with this, that people may say, well, those people in the Old Testament, you know, or they died before Messiah came, so how did they, you know, come to the gospel message or anything? And I had this thought on that, that, they believed God, they believed Abba, and they followed his ways, and they recognized their sin, and they were looking for the Savior, the one to save us from our sins. Lord, who's the one that's going to help us and save us? Well, they were, they had faith in Messiah. It was the spirit of Messiah that was to come. So God in their way they work is that they followed God, they believed in God, just like Abraham, Moses, Noah, and they died in faith. They were waiting for the Savior. They were seeing his future that, you know, yeah, how are you going to save your people from 
from this sinful state. And they did circumcise their hearts, as we talked about before. They did what they could do. They couldn't do the circumcision of the heart, so they, in the ground, waiting. And then when Messiah's work was done, once the foundation was was set, now circumcision of the heart could come, and then he could go into the earth and minister to those that died in faith in Abba. And then you go to Abraham's side, you go to the place of torment. That Because I remember thinking about this, well, how did they know about Messiah and what was going to happen? Well, they saw it afar off because believing in God, they would have conversation and, yeah, who will save me from this sin? I don't want to sin against you. Please help me. Well, my, my son is going to come. But that was in the future. But because if that wasn't the case, then Yah would say, no, you're not going to die yet because my son has got to come first you know, for you to take this. So the foundation was laid down in the Old Testament. And what's interesting is that the way the tabernacle works is in order to get to Messiah, that's which is that the what's referred to as the ten of um the ten of oh shoot. Not the ten of meeting. That was with Moses, but it was the um yeah, it might have been the ten of meeting where the um anyway, the yeah, the holy place. Thank you. That that's veiled there because Messiah hadn't come yet. And what's interesting is you you start in the courtyard, which is you know in the Old Testament with Abba, with repentance. Because when you get to Messiah, what does Messiah do? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've come for the lost sheep of Israel, so I'm leading you back to Abba so you can repent. So you can then come to me because, yes, I'm here, but for you to come to me, you've got to have repentance. And it was about Israel, about the lost sheep of Israel. And, you know, people come to him, Lord, save my daughter. Well, I haven't, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel, but you still, Lord, but I know you can, you do these things. And okay, well, great is your faith, but my purpose here is for the lost sheep of Israel because the plans were given in the old Testament and my people have gone astray and I've come to bring them back to the foundation, which is repentance to my father so that then you repent to him. Then my father can draw you to me. Then I can walk you through the tabernacle and get you to the most holy place, which is my mother, the spirit. And then you can come through and have that full foundation. So this whole it's interesting how Yah had given us the veiling and all these principles. And then now we're just being able to go back and now give more detail to lay the foundation. Moses really speaking to me about the foundational aspect is you must go to the old Testament to understand what the foundation is so that then once you have, you come to those principles, cause it says, and you had mentioned this, the arithmetic, well, that's in elementary school. Well, you start out at elementary and then the middle school and then the high school and then the college and then masters and doctorate. And then you keep going and it mentions this in Hebrews that let us move on from the elementary teachings about Messiah, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and laying on of hands and baptisms and the resurrection of the dead. And we will do so if God permits. Well, think about that. The foundation of repentance 
So when we were in Christianity, how much was repentance talked about? Yeah, you may hear the word, yeah, you got to repent. But did we really get into what is repent? What is repentance? What does that mean? What is that from a truth perspective? Because if you're not even understanding that, then you can't even get to the point of understanding Messiah's work and what he came to do. And therefore, you haven't built any foundation on the rock. You're just still, like you said, on the sand. And that's why you keep getting shifted back and forth and you're not, it's not solid foundation. And even getting back further to repentance, seeking God with all your heart. Well, you were seeking to build your house with all your heart and you found this plot of land and you just start building on it, right? No, you've got to clear the land. You've got to dig and get the dirt and everything out so that you can start building the foundation on the plot that you found. So even going back to the very beginning of seeking with all your heart, I mean, we have a picture of that. We have that with Noah. We have that with Abraham that we know he was seeking with all of his heart because God wouldn't have come to him. And then Abraham, I want you to leave your family and go where I want you to go. Well, that's given us information on the foundation. You have to be willing to leave whatever land you have to find the truth. But I was just sitting there like, wow, that's just the importance of the of this, that the craftiness of the enemy is, no, you don't need the Old Testament. No, you just go right to the New Testament and you're all good. But then he knows that if you don't have the foundation of the Old Testament, that Messiah is going to be no good for you and he's not going to benefit you any. And he knows that you'll be standing before him. Lord, Lord, didn't I? No, get away from me. You didn't build the foundation. You practice um, lawlessness. Get away from me. And he knows that. And it's very crafty that, well, you don't need the Old Testament. That's for that's for those old times. You need the New Testament. You need the Gospels. You need the you need Jesus. That's what you need. Forget about all this other stuff. But as I think more about this with Yeshua's work and what he talked about, it's all from the Old Testament. He's just reiterating the Old Testament and giving you the spiritual understanding of the Old Testament. And when you're following a foundation, when you're following something, you want to make sure that the person you're following is knowledgeable of all phases of the operation. And I'll explain because we talk about following plans and I've had this happen multiple times in my past of having my own business plus also having, um, have worked for other people in construction for probably, well, not probably most of my life that there are times when an architect will design something that is not possible in his design for you to build that they, a lot of times cause they're not a builder and therefore they don't know the ins and outs. They just, well, if I can, if I can build it, but if you come out on the job site and we're getting to that point, then I can take you up here and I can show you how this isn't going to work. We have to do something different. What you have pictured here and what you have drawn here cannot work. And here's why and explain it. But uh, cause I had that happen on a job. We were working on a, uh, it was an entertainment uh, facility 
uh, like an outdoor pavilion type thing. And the main office area, they had some funky stuff on the roof. And the architect swore up and down that you could you could make it like he had drawn it. And he had to actually come out on the job and get up on the roof so we could point out to him why it wasn't going to work. And then he had to go back and redesign and come up with a slightly different plan. And that's why it's important that whoever's designing should know how to build it. God has all of it because you have the architect who is God. You have the builder who is Messiah and you have the interior designer who is mother. And God knows all the parts and the intricacies. And that's why, because we're putting this in over here, so it'll support this up here once you get to it. You may not see that now. You may think that that's not, well, that's 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 nothing. No, there's a reason that it's there. And I can tell you and explain to you exactly what it is. And as you're working with the plans of God, don't modify the plans of God. And too many people have let the enemy modify the plans to them. And then they teach other people that. Now, here's something important to know that, you know, if we talk about false prophets, that's not an excuse for false followers like we talked about before. If you're a false follower, that's on you. That uh, teacher who's teaching you falsely is not going to answer for you. That That's a fact. You must answer for yourself. So you must make sure that the teacher knows the architectural design, knows how to build it, and knows how to uh, decorate on the inside. And what we have when we have people in Christianity who are telling people what the foundation is, but they themselves are not even able to build on that foundation, then it's just like Messiah told the Pharisees that you put yokes of burdens on people that you yourself can't even carry. So you're you're not following the plan that gets you the place where you can carry that weight why? Because you don't have the foundation under it to carry that weight and it's going to collapse. Whether it collapses in this life or it collapses for you when you're at the final uh, white throne judgment, it's going to collapse. It's not going to stand. It cannot stand. And so we want to make sure that we're following the plan of God, the way God designed it to be built, and to decorate the interior the way God designed it. We're not it's not up to us to make our own decisions and well, somebody says this scripture means that and somebody else says it means that. Well, I think it means this. And so I'm going to design this way. No, if you have a situation like that, then go back to Yah and ask them to make it clear. And you know what? I'm not going to make another step in this direction until I know with absolution that this is the right thing to do. Too many times people jump into something too quickly and then you find out that, 
how come my house is falling down? Oh, it, it, it's okay. Um, we, we'll just patch it and we'll fix it. And you continually try to fix what's broken, but you can't fix it because there's no foundation of Messiah underneath of it. The true Messiah, not the Jesus that's taught in the world, but the true Messiah that the Bible talks about. You have to build on that foundation, and so you want to make sure you go to Abba, just like we talked about, where uh, you, you had mentioned that uh, Abba told Moses, make sure that you build the tabernacle to the exact design that I'm giving you. That's a message to us in this faith journey. Make sure that you follow this to the exact design of it, because if you don't, it's not going to be acceptable before God. And so I'm going to go into the first step in the gospel message, which is seeking God with all of your heart. And you can run around seeking for God like you run around seeking for something, but you have to seek with all of your heart. That's a fundamental teaching. That means that once you start seeking with all of your heart, that means everything within you to the best of your ability, that you're seeking the things of God out, one, to know them first, and then to learn all the things about them and what they like and what they uh, what they don't like and so that you can walk in that aspect of pleasing them. But it takes some time. And so... When we look at this, and it's great to be bringing this in right after the tabernacle lesson because that's a a great example of the Old Testament laying out the gospel message. In order for somebody to even find the tabernacle in the desert, they have to seek it. And if you're just wandering around seeking here and seeking there, and, oh, this is a pretty building, this must be it. Oh, everybody says that this is, this is, no. You have to seek and make sure that you're finding the true tabernacle, the one that actually has a holy place in it, the one that has the most holy place in it. And you have to find those most holy places. And if you're in a a place of like faith that we talk about, that you can continue to sin and think that you can be in the most holy place of God, you better leave that tabernacle or that uh, temple that you went into and go find the right temple of God. And the only way you'll do that is you're out in the desert, you're wandering around. Well, I heard about this this uh, tabernacle and this uh, worship of this God, and I, I really want to figure this out. And I, I'm going to find that. I'm going to find that tabernacle. So then you seek with all of your heart. That doesn't give you faith. That's just the start of the journey. And as you seek with all of your heart and you never give up, you never uh, give in, you don't back down. No, I'm going to figure this out. Before I die, I'm going to figure this out. Then that brings you into or right to the tabernacle. But first, you see the tabernacle at a distance. And I want... I want to be a part of that. Well, why? Because, well, if I'm not, then I'm going to be condemned and I'm going to die and I'm going to face judgment. I don't, I don't want to do that. So there's an obligated perspective 
that you have on the outside, and that's what really your draw to the tabernacle is, and that's why the fear of the Lord is you should fear God and fear the fact that if you're not right before them, they're going, you're going to be terminated, you're going to be put into the abyss, and it will be eternal torment. And people know that innately, it's, it's within them. So when you're seeking with all of your heart, you get to a point where you're obligated. Well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do whatever, whatever I have to do to, uh, to get in there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Okay. Well, that's an obligated perspective and it's part of the journey. But in order for you to get into the courtyard, in order for you to go through that first veil, you have to repent and that changes your mind from an obligation to doing the things that God wants to a mindset of no, I'm, I'm going to do everything God wants because I want to be pleasing to them and therefore I give my life over to them. And so when we talk about the first step of the process, the first step of the process brings you up to the outside of the entrance to the courtyard and that is with the seeking with all of your heart. That's the first step in the process. And again, I can't reiterate this enough. The seeking with all of your health, your, your heart is a foundational, fundamental, basic teaching that sticks with you your whole journey. Because every time for you to walk in repentance, well, you're continuing, you're continuing to seek what you have in your life that, uh, in your subconscious that needs to be corrected and you're seeking that with all of your heart because I want to be right before God. I want to make sure that I, I'm pleasing, not because I have to, because that's what I truly want. And I have to seek those things with all of my heart in order to find them. Then when I find them, then I move on to the rest of the gospel message to eliminate that thing from my life. And once I do, then I move to the next thing. But you've got to be, you've got to go through the gospel message once to salvation first, or to, let me rephrase that, to the hope of salvation, because salvation doesn't come until you die, the hope of salvation. And then once you do that, now every, all your steps from that point, advancing and moving forward, you will not advance and move forward if you do not use the same basic fundamental steps in the process. And so when we look at the tabernacle, well, seek God with all of your heart so you can actually get to the tabernacle. And then as you get to the tabernacle, then you've got to find the entrance because there's only one entrance into the tabernacle. And that entrance into the tabernacle is through Abba, the Father, because it's, remember, it's the Father that brings you to the Son. It's the Son that gives you relationship with the Father, gives you that intimate relationship with the Father. 
And so you have to go, you have to find the, the Abba in the desert as the first part of the gospel message, which is in the Old Testament, before you can then be tried and tested in your uh, repentance, your turn, and I'll let you uh, speak a little bit, um, but just I just wanted to bring out for the first step of the gospel message of how that's laid out, and you're wandering in the desert, and a lot of people think they found this tabernacle because, well, they get just, they, they found it and they can just climb over the wall and get in, or they can get in any way they want. And that's not the plan that God has. And that's, if you don't follow that plan, you're not going to get it. And this goes back to the scripture that is uh, grossly misrepresented when it talks about, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a hope in the future. That's not, has nothing to do with God's designing everything in your life that it's, it's happening for a reason. Well, it is happening for a reason, but it's not God's designed reason unless you're walking in faith in God, then it's just the plan's for faith, there are going to still be things in your life that are going to go awry, that aren't going to go exactly as you want or exactly as you'd like to have it. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to be prospered. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have hope. And so this just talks to that scripture as well. If you want, for I know the plans I have for you, to prosper you and not to harm you. If you want prosper and not harm, follow the plans to the exact design God had. If you want to hope in a future, follow the plans to the exact design God had. God's not going to change from Moses to us to say, well, Moses had to follow exactly to the uh, design that I had, but you don't have to. No, it's that much more important for us to recognize that if we're not following the plan of God in the exact formula that God has laid out, then we will not have uh, salvation. We will not have faith in the one true God. We will have faith in the false God, in the one that makes it feel good, makes you think that, well, all you got to do is just say this thing and pray this prayer and then you can continue to sin and everything's fine. No, that that is not the tabernacle of God. That is not the gospel of God. And so I speak to the first step in the process. You must wander in the desert seeking with all of your heart to find Abba. And you're going to have to have that fear of Abba because he's a terrorist before you become a friend. And I, I didn't even recognize this till you just spoke it, that the struggles in life are a constant in faith in God or not, because you're in the desert and think about it. And we, you could say, well, yeah, I'm in the desert, but you think about being in a desert at the hottest part of the day with no shade and dehydration and 
you're just walking around just struggling and hot and, and you're just looking for just anything, any water, any, and all of a sudden you come upon this tabernacle that, you know, and it's like a terror because, um, going inside the, um, I encourage anybody, this is interesting. I looked this up online, go online and just type in the tabernacle and just look at the, there's a lot of different artistic descriptions of it. And, you know, you can get the actual, um, in the old Testament actually describes it, but it's a neat illustration of look at each part uh, on the, in the courtyard and then going into the holy place and the holy of holies. And Yah has a very intricate design and purpose in it. And it can help as you listen to this or as you're reading, like to just give yourself a visual picture. Because like you said, you, you come to Abba, you repent, you turn to him and repent means a turn. And this is very important Repent does not mean that you feel sorrow for your sin. Sorrow for your sin is what brings you to repent. It's and in the New Testament says godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. So the repent is not a feel bad because you've sinned. Simply, like we said, the simplicity of it, repent just means to turn. So when you seek with all your heart, you find Abba, but you have to make a decision to turn to him. And remember, and we talked about this, that the things of Yah are circular, meaning that they don't end, they keep continually expanding and growing. So you make a decision to turn and Abba says, or realizes that you've turned to him. Okay, well now I'm going to show you what it's like to live a life where you've turned to me with everything. It's a life of sacrifice. Because the very first um, object that's in there is what's referred to as the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, and where animals were sacrificed. And because when you turn to God, it's a willingness to sacrifice your life and your old ways that, no, that was the old way. I'm living God's way. I'm turning to them with everything that I am. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you do, I'm in agreement with. Even though I don't understand it, I don't see everything, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go, just like Abraham. Abraham, go and leave your family, and I'll, I'll show you where you're to go. Well, he repented to God because, yes, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. We're going. So you start that journey, and it takes sacrifice. You've got to be willing to give up everything, your very life. And it's, it's not simple because and there has to be a sacrifice. Blood has to be spilled on this altar. There's got to be sacrifice. And what I find interesting is in the courtyard is like the biggest part of this because you get to the tents and we'll get to the the other two aspects. But it's the largest part. It's like you never leave repentance. Like you walk in repentance is the foundation. So you, you realize you've got sacrifice where you also have to be cleansed by God. And repentance is a cleansing because... It was referred to as a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So when you come to Abba, you still have sin in your life, but you're able to actually have forgiveness of sins, which is a cleansing of that. And Yah gives a picture of that because the way that the it's referred the next piece after the um, brazen altar is what's called the bronze laver or the basin for washing. Well, this was made out of bronze. Where when you were able, when you were actually you would go and cleanse yourself, 
that it was actually a reflective material where you could reflect and see yourself in the basin, which is a representation of really evaluate yourself and what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that water was there to cleanse the hands and feet of the priests. And they would wash there because I read this this morning that the priests would wash their hands and their feet in it because they had to be cleansed on the outside. And that's what the repentance does is that the repentance gives you a cleansing, as it says in the word, not a removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a good conscience towards God. That's that repentant mindset of I'm going to follow God no matter how it affects me, no matter what happens. All right. Well, that's your pledge of a good conscience. That's your water baptism. That's your immersion into repentance. That's why the cleansing of, of yourself. So in that, that piece, you have Abba, you have your repentance, which includes sacrificing of self and cleansing of your sin. Your, um, you get forgiveness of sins because you realize you still sin, but you're steadfast in your mind. You're not going to sin. And Abba says, okay, well, I know that you can't have sin removed from you yet, but I'm willing to be patient and forgive your sins because I know that there's more steps coming to this, that when I test you in that, that I really have seen that you really are committed within your mind, that your will is not to sin and disobey me and follow my commands. All right, now I'm going to take you to the second veil or the first tent, which is called the holy place. And that piece is about obedience. And that piece is about coming to Messiah, Messiah being the picture of Yah of this is the life of obedience that you live. And the reason that people don't see it is because without Abba bringing you to Yeshua, like the word says that nobody can come to me. This is Yeshua's words. Nobody comes to me unless the father draws them. And that's true because you've got to be washed on the outside and to put on the white priestly garment which means that you're cleansed now that you can go in to the life of obedience to God with Messiah. And then as you get inside that tent, that you get to see aspects that you can see how to obey God, because you've got the lampstand, the golden lampstand, you've got the showbread, which interesting, I just read this this morning, that the showbread had 12 loaves of bread that were changed down. They were separated into sixes on a table, the table of showbread. And you also have the altar of incense. So in that, he brings you, Abba brings you to Yeshua to show you the life of obedience, which is a willful heart uh, from the heart, um, which is within. So you have the table, which is you get to eat from the table of God. You get to eat the manna from heaven, which Yeshua is the true bread the representation of his body eating his flesh and you have where you have the lampstand, which you have, he's going to get you to be able to see that there's a deeper spiritual meaning to this of the parables. I'm going to allow you to understand the parables because you've now have light here that I'm going to bring to light things that you're not seeing on the spiritual level. Cause you weren't able to see the spiritual. Do you see that? Yeah. If you've hated somebody that, um, you've committed murder because now you get to see deeper into the spiritual truth. And then we have prayer, the altar of incense, where isn't it interesting how Yeshua taught his disciples, teach us how to pray. Well, go into your inner room and close the door. And 
speak to your father who's in secret. You know, it's given us uh, an insight on the inside depth of what the true essence of walking in this faith is. And then you have the obedience aspect. And then the next is the most holy of all, which is the holy of holies, which is mother, that you have circumcision of the heart. When you crucify yourself with Messiah, then you can have, because in him the veil is torn in Messiah, that you have circumcision of the heart to where now you can trust and live a life of trust with mother within your heart. And you just combine all the aspects of this, and it walks you through the full uh, tabernacle because you were not able to enter the most holy place just as a common person. The only person that could enter the most holy place was the high priest, and it was only once a year, and it says, and you could not go in without blood. And that sacrifice with blood that was given was for the high priest and for the sins of the people. That and made it clear that the way into the most holy place hadn't been made known while the first tabernacle was standing, meaning the physical. So we have the aspect of Yeshua and his work gets to where you can now have the new covenant, which is you can now be in Messiah, which is you carry the tabernacle with you in the body of Messiah, and you're able to have all the fullness of faith, the fullness of deity and bodily form, uh, which is in the Ark of the Covenant, which you have the law, Aaron's rod that budded, and the manna from heaven. So we have a picture of the fullness of God, the fullness of deity, once you make it through all the steps. And then once you've done that, then it's not veiled to you anymore, but it is still veiled to those on the outside. Like they can see the outside, but they're not going to be able to understand the inner workings, the the details, because you're not privy to that information. Like if you're at a company, you're not able to go in that company and see the details until you're actually an employee there. So the aspects of the gospel message, repentance, then obedience, which carries repentance with it, and then trust, which carries obedience with it. And then you just continue the cycle of trust involves seeking God with all your heart and repentance and obedience. That's what drives the trust. And it's just a beautiful circle that continually goes around and I just had this, we may have discussed this before, but this was given to me. When Yeshua makes this statement, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. What he was saying was, is I am Abba Eman Yeshua, the way, which is repentance, the truth, obedience, and the life, trust. Nobody comes to the kingdom of heaven to see the father and the mother except by me. So he's given us an aspect of in my body, in my fulfillment of all this, of fulfilling these prophecies, in me is the tabernacle. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So follow me, and you will go through all the aspects of the tabernacle, and you will have the forgiveness of sins, and you will be able to be cleansed from all unrighteousness because that whole cycle is a cycle of cleansing. The one baptism will cleanse you from all unrighteousness to where you will then be holy and be able to dwell forever in the holy place because, Mother, within your heart, you are holy as they are holy. 
So in this life, you can live without sin. You can dwell in the most holy place here on this earth. And then when you die, you'll be given a new body to where you can then be transferred into the kingdom of heaven, which is where the true tabernacle is in the kingdom of heaven. So this step-by-step thing, look into this because if you look in the New Testament, Messiah is walking you through the holy place. He taught, you know, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, you know, when you're praying, go into your room, go because you're in that holy place that realize that you're before the holy of holies, you know, offer up good incense. You know, you're bringing your sacrifice on the altar, realize where you're standing, go and make right with your brother and then come back and make your sacrifice because you're in the holy place. You know, you're set apart. It's for you to know the kingdom of the things of the kingdom because you're in the holy place. You're with me. I'm going to show you what these parables mean. I'm going to show you the secrets of the kingdom because you're on the inside. So it just, I'm just seeing this even for me, it makes so much more sense. The detailed plans that are laid out because you cannot understand the new Testament until you walk through the courtyard to get to the place so that with Messiah, you can understand, do you see how this is because you've walked through it first? And then I'll show you the way into the most holy place, the sacrifice of self above it, everything. So uh, I'm just seeing this as just such beautiful detail that you must go through the plans and you must go through the Old Testament to be able to understand to then walk into the New Testament. And as laid out, we have the three different places that you had spoken about with the repentance, the obedience, and the trust. The repentance is the courtyard, the obedience is the holy place, and the trust is the most holy place. But we don't want to let this go without giving the fundamentals of the fundamentals. Okay, And what this means is because we're wanting people to have detail, understanding, um, so when we, we talk about seek God with all of your heart, okay, the beginning process, there's an avenue that you walk, okay? You seek God with all of your heart, and you seek God with all of your heart till you either reject the things of God or you believe the things of God, okay? And belief is a key part, but it's not the end all. Uh, because there's a fact of believing in. And so how it works is that when you're seeking Abba with all of your heart and you truly want to know the truth, then you will, when you believe God, when you believe everything about God is right and true, not that you believe in it yet, but you believe that it's true then that brings upon you godly sorrow from the scripture that was read. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. But you approach the godly sorrow from the believing God. If you don't believe God, you can't have godly sorrow. You can have worldly sorrow. You can have uh, sorrow because you feel guilty because of what uh, you got caught doing. But when you really know that, this is real. Okay. Now you believe God, but that's not, that's not enough. Okay. That belief in God brings you to that godly sorrow 
or worldly sorrow, depending on the decision you make in the in the process of that, because each step is a, another decision you have to make to advance or to go back. And so you have that godly sorrow, then that puts you in an obligated perspective to God. Well, I believe God's going to do all these things and I deserve punishment and I'm going to be punished. So I'm going to do everything that, that I'm supposed to do, which is good. That's, that's part of the process, but it's not the end. Because what you do is you follow that path until you see and taste that the Lord is good. And then you believe in God because, and believing in God, believing God means I believe what they say they're going to do. Believing in them is I'm going to do what they want me to do because I want to do it because I believe in it. I believe that it's right and true. And therefore, I'm going to follow these steps because I, I truly want to do it. And that's when the believing in brings you to repentance because you can't repent to God. You can't turn to them if you don't, in your mind, fully agree with everything they do, regardless of whether you understand it or not. You have to sit there and, no, I know that this, that they are God, and I want to do these things. I believe in them. I believe everything they do is right, fair, and just. There's nothing they do that doesn't have a reason and a purpose behind it, and therefore, that's what I want. So now you have the, that brings you to the repentance, the turn to God, uh, the, the turn to Abba. And what's interesting is, is that that basic fundamental for Abba, and this ties into what we talked about, about how it repeats itself. Well, it has to repeat itself with Messiah because you have to seek. Then when Abba brings you to Messiah, then you have to seek Messiah with all of your heart. And you seek that out till you believe, yeah, I believe he's the son of God. And I, I I'm, I still, I want to be saved. So I'm going to do these things. And then you get to the point where you have, <clears throat> you have to have the sorrow that you haven't been walking in obedience to God. And then you get to the point. No, I believe in the son of God, which means I'm going to, to the best of my ability in my mind, I'm going to walk as he do, as he walks, I'm going to do what he does because I believe in him. And then as you get past that part, you have the belief in him, then you've repented to Messiah, then you have to go through the same process again to get the circumcision of the heart where you have to uh, seek after the spirit with all of your heart, and then you have to come to that point of believing that the spirit is real and I'm going to do the best of my ability, what I'm told to do. And then you believe in the spirit. When you believe in the spirit, you have no problem doing whatever they ask you to, whatever mother asks you to do, because you believe in her. And uh, it's necessary part of the journey. And so those fundamentals, like I said, the fundamentals of the fundamentals, <coughs> is you have to have those or parts like 
subdivisions of the greater picture where, yes, repentance, obedience, and trust, that is why you have the seeking first. That's a, that's a intricate part of the gospel message that I don't think I've ever heard somebody do a sermon on not seeking, but seeking God with all of your heart to make sure that you're figuring this out and don't listen to what I'm saying. I mean, you can listen to it, but use it as a information to go and look for more information until you have scripturally and through conversation with God, you have the appropriate avenue to walk in. And so it's important that people understand that in order for you to have the first step in the courtyard, then you have to believe God first. Then, then you have to believe in God. When you believe in God, then you repent. And that means that you're willing to do whatever it is that they ask you to do to the best of your ability. Now, this is why we have the forgiveness of sins at this point, because God knows you're not capable of holding of upholding that in your body of flesh you can only have it in your mind that i'm going to do these things but you're not going to be able uh, you're not going to be capable of doing them until you have circumcision of the heart and god knows that and so because of their mercy and grace they gave forgiveness of sin until you reach that point of getting into the most holy place where you have no sin. And if a high priest in the earthly tabernacle would have sinned inside the most holy place, he would have died instantly. And then, and that's, from what I understand, that's why they uh, went into the most holy place with ropes wrapped around their ankles so that if they weren't pleasing to God and they got put to death, then they could pull them out because it was only the high priest that was allowed to go in there. If it was that important for the earthly tabernacle to not sin in the presence of God, how much more in the heavenly tabernacle? And what's interesting in this is in this faith journey, we're not looking for heaven outside of where we are because the he heaven, the kingdom of God is everywhere. It's just a matter of whether you're a part of that kingdom or not. And it's interesting because a song came to mind, the song heaven on earth. And there is heaven on earth. We're able in faith in God. We're, we're in heaven. Now we're not, in uh, standing, well, let me rephrase that. We, we're not, we can't physically see God in this kingdom, but we can see God in the kingdom. And we have part in that kingdom and we're living in heaven, but not in the f absolute fullness of it because we're not capable to, to be in their presence as we carry the body of flesh with us, but once the flesh is done away with, then we can be with them. And so we can have heaven on earth, and not only can you, it's a necessity 
that you find that place where you can recognize that you're in heaven, but you cannot be in the most holy place of God. You cannot have a point in the, the most holy place that Messiah ripped that veil to, for you to enter into. You cannot be in there and continue to sin. That's, that's a fact because, again, the aspects of the tabernacle in the worldly how much more in the the spiritual and just like it was spoken about if god didn't spare his own people when they disobeyed how much more are we to be punished and when we weren't considered to be the people of god god, god by his, uh, by their grace and mercy has given us the opportunity as gentiles as those who were outsiders to God that now were a part of the family, but we had to follow the plan. And that plan entails everything, which is the design, the interior design of the house of which mother does. Abba gives you the foundation. Messiah gives you the, uh, how to build it. And mother gives you how to design the interior, so that it is pleasing and holy, set apart for them. That is not a place of wretchedness and pitiful, and that you're doing these sinful things, and yeah, we're just going to hang sin on the wall over here, and you know, we'll, well, we'll put adultery in this room, and we'll put covetousness over here, and just hang it on the wall there, so that I can no, no, that's. Those are not things that mother's going to allow you to have. In other words, what you do is you already have those things hanging on the walls. You have to start seeing them and, oh, I don't want, I don't want that covetousness hanging on the wall. I'm getting rid of that. I'm throwing that away. And then you go through the process of taking it down, taking it out, putting it in the trash and letting it be hauled away. And so, just wanted to touch uh, mainly on that aspect, just wanted to touch on the fact of making sure that people understand that with Abba, you have to have the belief, you have to have the seeking with all of your heart, then you have to have the believing in the believing them, then the believing in them, or the believing them, then the godly sorrow. The godly sorrow brings you to the repentance where you believe in them, and then you have to go through that same process when you get to Messiah. You have to seek out Messiah with all of your heart. And you have to believe Messiah. And then you have to have godly sorrow that you haven't been obedient to God. And then you have to repent. And then you move on to uh, mother for the uh, third step in the process. But just because we're giving uh, this morning, we're giving intricate uh, details in the midst of this. I just didn't want to leave those parts out um, as we talk about this. Well, what's interesting is mother didn't want us to leave it out because it is, there's so much detail. It, it's awesome. Well, in each part of this, Yah gives you the opportunity to taste that the Lord is good because think about it, the sacrifice and the washing, you get to experience what that is. And in in Messiah that you get to taste the bread and get to be a part of it. And you get to 
experience the prayer because I had this thought of this is one of the scripture that most people can recite. And it just came to mind. Wow. It is exactly as he said it was that for God so loved the world that they gave their one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, which is true because you're in the holy place. If you believe in him, you'll walk as he did. And therefore you'll sacrifice yourself with him. And then you will not perish. So it's not talking about you accept him as Lord and Savior, which accepting him as Lord in the true sense of walking as he did, he will be Savior as well. So it's just that scripture is blanketed to say, well, you accept him and then therefore you're saved. No, it's it's giving you information that Yah so loved their creation that in order for their creation to be that was made with dysfunction to be cleansed and to be in the kingdom, you have to believe in the Son, because when you believe in the Son, you will continue, and you'll end up in the most holy place. And I had this thought, which is some more detail. All right, so think about when the veil is torn, that what that is, is Messiah has made a way for circumcision of the heart to be to where mother can enter into your heart. All right, and excuse me, in the Old Testament, Abba makes this clear, and if I remember right, it's Jeremiah that there's a new covenant coming in those days where I will write my law in their hearts and in their minds, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer will people say, know the Lord, but all shall know me from the greatest of them to the least of them. You know, um, I will be merciful towards their wicked deeds and their sins. I will remember no more. Well, think about that. All right. A new covenant. All right. So, Messiah has made the way, like he says, that this is the blood of, was it, um, what he talked about at the Last Supper, that this is the new covenant in my blood, that that's when the new covenant was established when he gave his life to where now the, the renewed covenant is. Now you have a way into the most holy place. So now all the things that you've understood in the physical are now in the spiritual. There's a way to get into the spiritual realm of this. And think about the um, the Ark of the Covenant. So once Mother comes in to live in your heart, all right, you have the law, you have the Word of God, which is the manna, and you have Mother within. Um, so you have all aspects. You have it's telling you, you have the fullness of the deity in bodily form. That you have the law, which is Abba. You have the manna, which is Yeshua, and you have the rod that budded, which is Mother. And you carry the fullness of deity in bodily form because remember in the Old Testament that they carried the tabernacle, or excuse me, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, that you carry the fullness of deity in bodily form all around you. And notice that the lid that's on top of the Ark is the cherubim of glory where it says it overshadows the mercy seat. Well, it's that humility to where the the cherubim are kind of have their wings down. It's telling me that you walk a life of humility before God, but you carry that tabernacle, you carry the body of Messiah around in all things. So you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. So that's what it's talking about when in Corinthians, where it talks about us as ministers of the new covenant, you have unveiled faces because the veil has been lifted. The true veil that we talked about this, that there's three veils, and there's ultimately that ultimately make up the veil. Well, the veil is the sin nature. 
So what happens is once you make through all three, the veil is taken away, which that curtain, which was hiding you from the spirit, was the sin nature. So by Yeshua giving his life, that veil is torn. So it's a representation of him getting circumcision of the heart. And then now that veil is torn to where now in him, when you sacrifice yourself, you have circumcision of the heart. So therefore, the veil in Messiah is taken away. So now there is no more veiling before God. You can go boldly before the throne of grace because you're standing there at the mercy seat, unveiled just like Messiah standing there. And you can talk openly face to face because that's the way to the Father is to be face to face. So the detail here is just, and we're able to understand this. This is given by revelation. This isn't something we came up with. I'm just sitting here just talking about this and all this stuff is coming to mind that there's so much detail and there's even more detail of this in Hebrews. The book of Hebrews lays out the Hebrew perspective of going from the old Testament transitioning to the new covenant where the sacrificial system was not done away with. It was the animal sacrifice that was done away with, but you still sacrifice because you are a holy temple unto the Lord mother lives within you that you have spiritual sacrifices. And the word talks about that. So sacrifice never goes away. It just went from the physical animal sacrificial system of the physical ceremonial things to the spiritual ceremonial things, which are the truth of God to where you're a living sacrifice to God. It just transfers you from the physical realm to the spiritual, but you have to go through the physical first in order to understand the spiritual, what happens is, is people attempt to get to the spiritual first without going through the physical first, and you can't do that. It, it won't work. And that's why people are teaching this, not even seeing the tabernacle and thinking they understand it, and they don't. And that's where people get into trouble, and that's why Yas is. If you're going to be a teacher, you're going to be held to a stricter judgment because if you claim that you have the plans the lesson plans, and you don't understand it, then you're going to be given a stricter judgment. Why did you teach this when you don't even understand the tabernacle itself? You haven't walked through it. Are you qualified to teach this? Then why did you teach it? Or if you are qualified, all right, well, why did you do this? Well, I, I, I'm, you know, missed this or whatever. Okay. Well, and that's the thing mother does with us. Well, oh, you know, you realized you said that, Oh, I'm not doing that again. Okay. It's no big deal, but I'm just seeing this as there's so much detail and it's just the depth of it. Like you have the, the plans that go down to the plans that go down to the plans and it's just the spider web <clears throat> effect in this. So yeah, this is, this is really cool to get back to get more detail on this. And just having this thought about the fundamentals of math. Why do we start with addition and subtraction? Why don't we start with, multiplication first in kindergarten. Why don't they do multiplication instead of addition and subtraction? It's because, and again, as we talk about this, these fundamentals aren't meant to be mixed up in, in different, they're in different ways. They're meant to be in a specific order for a reason. You know, why would you have to do addition, <coughs> know how to do addition in order to, do multiplication. Well, if you don't know how to add two plus two, so then you don't know that that's four. 
And in order to do multiplication, multiplication is just you multiplying your your uh, addition because three times eight. Well, that's eight plus eight plus eight. And, and so you have to have that foundation first in order for it to carry through. But that foundation of the simplicity of addition and subtraction is involved in every formula, every single formula, know how, no matter how high a math you go to, addition and subtraction are a part of that. It doesn't work the other way. Now, the it is a part of it because it's connected in that line, but you don't need to have that highest math in order to understand the basic math. But you must. You must have the basic math. If you don't have the basic math, it's an impossibility for you to do any of the formulas. You can't go to a higher math until you learn it. And that's why they teach it the way they do is because you have to follow those fundamentals in the process along the way in order to keep it in a line and an understanding that is necessary for you to work out those formulas. And so the things that you think are basic and simple from a concept of life in this world, for life in this world, those concepts are necessary for you to do the greater formulas and the greater struggles. You have to figure out how to get through the simple struggles first before you have the perseverance and endurance to be able to make it through such a great struggle. And it's part of the process, and we don't want to leave out anything, and we don't want to uh, neglect those basic teachings because those basic teachings are a huge necessity, especially when we're talking about faith in God, that you must follow these fundamental teachings. And if you don't, you will not have faith in God. And I promise you, people try to cut corners and try to shorten it by, well, we just go directly to Jesus. Well, he came and he died on the cross for your sins, so you go directly to him. You just accept him as Lord and Savior. Well, guess what? You can't, you cannot accept the Son of God if you haven't accepted the Father first. As much as you may profess it, as much as you may think that that's true in your mind, the reality is, is that without the Father, there can be no Son. Without the Mother, there can be no Son. So with faith, it's laid out that you go to the Father first. That means that anybody who's going to come to Messiah must attempt to walk through the old covenant, but not the attempt is not to do it in such a way that you're perfect, that you're pleasing to God, 
but you're doing it. You're walking through the old covenant to prove to God that you believe them, that you believe in Abba, I'm going to do these things. You, you have to do that first before you can get to Messiah. And anybody who has not gone to Abba first, who has not received Abba as a terror, and who has not repented to Abba, and if they have not walked in the, uh, the old covenant law, then they cannot repent to Abba because your repentance to Abba is your agreement that the Old Testament law is right. It's good. It's fair. It's just. It's what we should be doing. But I'm not doing this because I want to be pleasing to God, not because this is going to gain me anything. If it gains me something, then Messiah's work here was nothing. It was no sense for him to come and uh, go through the stuff that he went through. And so you must go through these steps in the proper channels. And, and this might be difficult for people, but if you really want to know the truth, if you are truly seeking God with all of your heart, you're willing to do whatever it takes in order to find that true salvation, that true faith, you will do and you will follow the plan of God. And if you do not, if you deviate from the plan, you will not, you will not have that place in the kingdom and you will find yourself, if you've started the journey and you deviated, you will be in that long line of people who are trying to plead with Messiah and get away from me, you worker of lawlessness. You didn't pay attention to the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. You just took it and thought that, well, everything happens for a reason, So, and God's God's got that reason down, and so if it happens, it's okay. And no, because there are things that you can avoid happening in your life by you following the true path of God. But that's not going to eliminate everything that's going to happen. You have to have suffering, and you have to have struggle, because how do you prove to God your obedience if there's nothing to suffer and struggle for, how can, if there's no chance to obey God, when God says, bear up under unjust suffering, when, when somebody attacks you, don't complain. Don't worry about it. Just bear up under it because we got it. We, we, see, the beauty part of this is that, like you had spoken earlier, that we have the Ark of the Covenant within our heart. And if we have the Ark of the Covenant in our heart, do we not have the protective covering that covers the Ark? Then what is there for us to fear? Nothing. The fear in faith is the beginning of knowledge. The end of knowledge is the removal of all fear because we have nothing to fear. Why, why would I be concerned if somebody takes my life here? They can't take my salvation. I'm the only one that can for, forfeit it. 
and so in essence, we talk about can you lose your salvation? The the objective, I mean, yes, you, you can lose it, meaning that you had it and you don't have it, but you can't lose it like you're walking down the street and, oh, my faith just fell out on the street. Oh, my gosh, where did it go? I can't find it. I don't know where it is. No, no, we're not talking about that, you know, because it's an intentional act that you would turn away from it. And so you don't lose it from that perspective, but you lose it because you don't have it anymore. And, but it was an intentional act. And so did you really even lose it? Then the whole objective goal is not to say that you can't lose your salvation. No, it's to say that when we talk about you can lose your salvation, we're not actually talking about you losing it. Like you lose an item. We're talking about you actually forfeiting it. And when you forfeit something, you give it over completely. If two teams are playing in a game and one team decides they're going to forfeit, you don't get, oh, well, we forfeited that game, but we decided we want to play that game because it's it's uh, if we win it, then we get to go to the championship. No, you forfeited. You, you surrendered it. You gave it up. You don't get that chance. You don't get that chance to come back. And so when we say you can lose your salvation, it means that it can go away, but it only goes away because if you had it, you forfeited it. Most people think they have it, but they don't have it. And that's why when they start realizing the sin that they have in their life, they think they committed the unforgivable sin and they haven't. And I was just giving this just as Yah does more detail on the blasphemy of mother and how this works. All right. So when you have circumcision of the heart, it tears the veil to where the sin nature is removed from your heart and placed in the body of flesh. So what happens is the ark is opened. Mother comes to live within your heart to where you now have the fullness of deity in bodily form and the lid is put back on and sealed to where you're sealed by mother to where you have the fullness of deity in bodily form that's in the ark in your heart lies the law of God, the ability to grow, to have the fruit of mother because Yeshua said, apart from me, you can do nothing, remain in me and I'll remain in you. So you have the seal of mother. So the lid is that seal and it's a walking in humility to where you have the cherubim of glory, which you have ministering spirits that are there to minister. But what happens is, is that you choose to walk away and you say, you're not doing this anymore. Then the lid is opened up. The seal is broken. And now all of that comes out and you can't start again because you would have to start at the beginning to go all the way through to get to that point. And, I don't remember in the Old Testament any particular situation where when they put the lid on that they kept opening the lid and putting it. No, they you put it in there, and then we put it on top. Because remember, even to steady the ark unintentional, that they went and reached out to steady the ark, and whoever did that, they died. And that's why they had those poles that they made the little hooks to carry the ark and different things on that pole because don't just touch you can't just touch that ark. It's holy. Unholy hands cannot touch it. So be careful because you're going to be put to death. And it just makes me think that 
all right, once you're sealed in that, you are holy as they're holy. If you become unholy again, then you've broken the seal and therefore that seal's not supposed to be broken. It's just like if you go to the store, are you going to buy a loaf of bread that's open or a box of cereal that's open? You're like, hey, look at that. An open box of cereal. You're like, no, I want the unsealed. I want the sealed unbroken cereal because it's fresh and new. Well, you it's in essence, the blasphemy is mother came in and said, sin, get out. And now you're telling mother face to face, get out. And that's a blasphemous act before God. And therefore, as Yah says, the one who destroys the temple of God, God will destroy them. So you'll be destroyed, which is you've fallen away and therefore everlasting destruction ends. So that was just more detail came to mind in regard to that. It's not a somebody's in tears. Oh my gosh, I, I think I blasphemed the spirit. Well, you, where are you in faith? Do you have circumcision? No, I don't know what that, well, then you haven't. And, and I don't even see it as you wouldn't be crying like that. If you did, it would be like, you would know for sure. And it'd be a matter of fact, yeah, I did that. And it would be an arrogance. It wouldn't be a, man, I think that I've, no, you wouldn't think that you have, it would be, you would know what you did and you would intentionally do it. And there's no hope for you now because it's an intentional act. Well, that pretty much sums it up for what we, we have. We can never sum it all up. I know what you mean, though. No, we can't <laughs> sum it up, but Mother can. Oh, certainly. And wasn't necessarily speaking about that we've summed up the whole gospel oh, no. message, uh, but for this podcast, for this morning, um, I just want to leave people with this understanding that there are basics, there are fundamentals to the process of faith, and you must follow them in accordance with the way God laid them out. And if you do not, you will not be able to have and enjoy the faith that you have. And then when you do follow them out, do not turn from it continue in that faith so that what you have done will not be in vain. So look for in worldly things of how the fundamentals carry through into the most intricate uh, details and know that just because they're basic principles, the basic is it's uh, not that difficult to learn them, but they are greater than the greatest formula because without them, they're nothing. And so without the true foundation of Messiah, you can have a perception that you're walking in this true faith in Messiah. And there's going to be many people who think that that's the way it is. And Messiah, again, reiterating this, Messiah said, get away from me. I never knew you because you perceived that you had this faith, but you deviated from the gospel message. You thought you could get it a different way. And you have to, like Messiah said, you can't come into the sheep's pen over the top. There's only one way into the sheep's pen, and that's through the gate. And the gate is laid out that you have the gate to the uh, courtyard, the gate to the holy place, and the gate to the most holy place. You could put it to a gate, to a veil. It doesn't matter how you look at it from that perspective, but you have to go through through the gate. You can't climb over the 
uh, walls to get into the tabernacle, into the courtyard. And you can't go into the holy place from any different way. And that's why you have to enter through the first gate, which is Abba. Abba is the first gate. And then you have to enter through Messiah. And then you enter the most holy place through Mother, where you have that veil torn, the circumcision of the heart, the stone of the sinful nature that's in your heart rolled away. Now you have the ability to advance and grow and do these things. But it is a of the utmost necessity that people will understand that there are fundamentals of faith and you must follow these fundamentals in order for you to have true salvation and stop listening to what other people say and just taking it as though it's the truth rather than weigh it against what the word of God says. And we've said this before and we'll say it again and and we'll say it until we either stop doing this podcast or we die. Don't just listen to what we're saying and mark it as absolute truth. No, we want to spark you to dig into the word, to dig into conversation with Yah so that you can figure it out for yourself that you have the discovery because when you have the discovery of it, then you know it. You have head knowledge of it. You have heart knowledge of it. And then you know exactly what to do. So that's where I will leave it off for this morning. Sean, do you have anything as we head out this morning? I would just say this, those that are listening and um, have been listening, uh, have set their mind to seek with all their heart. If you're going to a church, a gathering of people, think about the the church building that you go to and think about the tabernacle. And, you know, the next time, like if you're, you know, go to church tomorrow or Wednesday or really be looking and think about is, is where I'm going really lining up with the tabernacle and the things that are there and meaning that because how did the idea of getting a church like that start that obviously the old Testament has been around that when people take the plans of what they think they should do and put them into what they think, then you get, you know, what, what man has built because you think about churches are built and why is there a sermon? Why is there a pastor? Well, did they take Messiah and just say, well, it's called the sermon on the Mount. So I've got to give a sermon or, but is that really the way it was supposed to be? So just a, not that you necessarily, you know, point out people's wrongs or anything, but just kind of observe and look and say, is where I'm going really lining up with the truth of God and really lining up with the way the tabernacle is laid out? Are they talking about the Father at all? And just things to look into. And the reason for that is not to believe what we're saying, but just to weigh this against the word and really look and say, is where I'm going really lining up with the truth of God? And, you know, to really evaluate that. So, No, that's all I had. Hope everybody has a good day. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, 
and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.